Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Badger Scene Podcast. It's Vanessa here. So this week we have on Dr. UC talking about pelvic floor health and pelvic floor physical therapy, which is pretty dope. Um, just wanted to remind you to remember to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave me a comment as well. I see you out there. I see you listening. But I need to hear from you. The more that you rate and the more that you leave comments, the more that other people can see the podcast and the more that we're able to spread this badge of steam. So please, please, please help me out in doing that. Make sure you follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Make sure you tell a friend about the podcast. Tell five friends about the podcast. Hell, have a podcast listening party if you want to. Um, remember to follow Vagistine on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Send me a note, drop me a message, send any of your questions related to love, sex, and everything in between at 443-692-7802. And lastly, Vagisteam is going on a college tour. So if you work at a college, I'm on a college tour. What am I talking about going? (laughs) If you work at a college, if you go to a college, if you know somebody in college, Let's get Vagisteam on your campus. So drop me an email at vagisteam at gmail.com and I'll give you all the details. I hope everyone is doing well. Remember to rate, remember to follow, remember to send your questions and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. Hey everyone, welcome to the Vagistine Podcast. It's Vanessa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. Today, we have on Dr. UC, who's going to teach us everything we need to know about pelvic floor health. Hey Dr. UC, how are you? Hello everyone, (laughs) hello. I'm fantabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for making the time. This was... You know, this was a few months in the making between you and I in our schedule. So I've been seeing all your amazing work and I love the bourbon chats. And I'm just so excited that I get to chat with you. <laughs> I, I know we have been trying to connect with one another for a very long time. <laughs> and I'm just so excited. Like I was telling you, I'm sitting here in my moo with my bourbon <laughs> ready to just gab about pelvic health and all of the sexy things. Oh so, my gosh, I am, I'm excited. I'm so ready and I'm so excited. So tell us about yourself. Who are you? What's your story? And how the heck did you get into this very specific pelvic floor ther- physical therapist field? Gosh, you know, <laughs> I, you know, it's really interesting when people ask me, tell me what's my, what's my story? It's like, goodness. Well, I'm the product of very Nigerian parents. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I mean, I think that should just say enough. Yeah. <laughs> you making them proud. I mean, you got a doctor in front of your name, boo. Like, you, I you hit it. You hit it. I'm, I'm sitting here with my master's I mean, degree and in, in not a lawyer. Very disappointing to my parents right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. My sister's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all fit all the stereotypes. You see, you guys I mean, followed the rules. You followed all the rules. <laughs> I mean, I did it, though. Like, there are days where I'm like, how am I still alive or <laughs> don't have a lot of like records <laughs> like I'm just I made it through okay oh, you got it gone by you got our you got our you got our, our support <laughs> you know it's really fascinating like I people ask me you know how did you get interested in sex from the beginning and it's really my very African mom mm. she was very crunk with us <laughs> about wow. sex and sexuality you know and my mom's a chemist but she's also hardcore Catholic but she's also very, very liberal. So mm. she's she's this progressive scientist church lady. Wow. Who <laughs> somehow so managed many different mixes to there. Raise, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I know. It was very confusing as a kid, but I think it really resonated with me in particular because, you know, my mom was always saying like make make choices that are within your faith and who you are, but mm. also like sex isn't something to be ashamed of. Wow. You know, and she's like, oh, of course I'd love for you to wait till marriage, but, you know, in the event that you don't, you know, this is how it should be. And, and that was always fascinating to me. And then I, you know, I, I 
always wanted to be a pelvic health physical therapist. It's the only reason why I went to PET school. I wasn't interested in anything but helping people with pelvic floor dysfunction. Wow. And uh, after I finished my graduate degree, um, I went on to do a residency in women's health, pelvic health. Mm. And in that, I was so lucky. I had amazing, amazing mentors, Dr. Tracy Spitznagel at WashU, Dr. Stacy Tilkus, and Dr. Brooke Kalisiak. They were all my mentors during my residency and really allowed me to explore my curiosity. And sexuality was one of them. And you know, when you're looking across the board at all of the health professions, you don't have a ton of didactic focus on sex. Right. You know, no matter whether it's dentistry, nursing, medical school, physical therapy, you just don't have it. And you had to seek out that knowledge. And the only group at the time that I knew had had it down <laughs> was um, AA sex. And mm. so... I, I was I was I was kind of creeping at their website for a few years, right. trying to figure out how can I a not a non mental health provider um, do this. And so I decided to do the University of Michigan sexuality counseling program, mm-hmm. sexuality education and counseling program. And here I am now. You know, I'm a, I'm in Austin. I'm assistant professor at a major university in a medical school, nice. and I see patients. And then I also started UC Logic about 18 months ago, and it's just growing in a way that I'm very pleasantly surprised by. Dope. Very pleasantly surprised. Yay! That's so exciting! Yay. Mm-hmm. So... No, I, I love it. So what is what is a pelvic floor? We keep, we keep throwing around that word. I know it introduced you as a pelvic, you know, the pelvic floor physical therapist, but what exactly, when we're talking about pelvic floor, what does that entail? Entail? Right. So if, if every, everyone knows where their pelvis is, right? It's mm-hmm. the middle of your body. It's right below the navel, above the thighs. And so <laughs> the pelvic floor are the muscles at the bottom of your pelvis, so in between your legs. So, I mean, not to be graphic, but if you peel the skin back of your vulva or your perineum, the muscles are right behind there. Oh, and they're in charge of urination, poopy time, sexy time, and babies if you have a uterus, mm. right? And then, of course... A lot of people aren't taught about this muscle, and it can wreak havoc on so many things. It can mimic UTI. A lot of people will come into my clinic and say, I have a UTI. It's like, no, you really just have pelvic floor muscle tightness, and it's squeezing all the nerves, which is mimicking UTI symptoms. Oh, people wow. People have bowel issues, bladder, bladder issues, pain with sex. Um, and a lot of times when I, I've been practicing for independently for about six years now, mm-hmm. and seeing people of all genders for a wide variety of issues. And a lot of times people come in with maybe, you know, prolapse symptoms. So like the bladder or the uterus or the rectum is coming out through the vagina. Or they might, I might see people with penises who have, you know, penile pain or pain with ejaculation. And all of this is underlying sexual issues, right? Because sexual, sexual health is health. It's Mm -hmm. an indicator of your overall health. Mm -hmm. And as a healthcare provider, I felt so underprepared in this, mm. and but I was so fascinated in it because I was very comfortable talking with my patients about it and counseling them. But I wasn't I wasn't comfortable to the point where I felt like, gosh, am I give, should, putting them in the right direction? Mm. Is this what they actually need? Right. Am I missing something? And so that's why I went back and did that program at University of Michigan because I, you know, I wanted to give my patients the best care ever. And particularly when you're thinking about vulnerable populations, mm-hmm. the minority populations in particular, whether you're ethnic and racial minorities, sexual minorities, those are the groups that really need to have solid, well-informed healthcare providers who aren't afraid to discuss sex and sexuality mm-hmm. in the context of health. Mm. See, that's the thing that I think not only are you trying to be the best healthcare provider you can be, I just don't think we always is just like people who are going to the doctor understand this and and we're not talking about the kinds of issues that we're having with our pelvic floors and I don't think I really paid attention to I think we I think we are only paying attention to when like you see somebody on television or they're trying to sell you a product for like kegels and it's like oh okay yeah those muscles but yep. I think it's not it's not until like I had friends who had babies who were like yo no one tells you that like 
it's going to hurt to have sex again afterwards for some people. And no one tells you, right. like, your muscles are going to be out of whack. And no one tells you how to put, like, get those muscles back together without hurting yourself. And it's like, wait, what? Like, a couple weeks ago, a friend was telling me how she was really mad with all the women that she considered, like, you know, supporters in her life from her mother to grandmother to friends who never told her after she had a baby, like, there would be, there could potentially be, like, low estrogen levels, and then she could have, like, you know, tightening and not be able to enjoy sex with her partner. And so she's like, why is no one talking about, you know, your pelvic floor? Why is no one talking about, like, your your abdominal muscles and what happens during the time that you're carrying a baby? And so I think we're just not, I think part of me feels like, one, we're not talking about it. Two, we just don't know that we have to talk about it. Or three, I think pain has become a default in our in some of our lives where we feel yeah. like, oh, this is just normal. Or especially, especially as people with vaginas, I feel that it's very normal to just suck it up. Like, oh, something's wrong down there or something's happening. But no, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I feel like we get that message very young. And so... I I I just thought when I saw you and saw your work, I was like, this is something that we're actually just not talking about. And I feel like it's we only talk about it in the context of like having a tight pussy for our partner so we can seem tight and, <laughs> and not really thinking about all the other things that come with that. Preach. Preach. <laughs> it's so it's it's so difficult mm-hmm. to move forward and know about your body and understand your body when that's all of the messaging you're getting, mm. no matter what gender you identify with. Right. You know, it's it's so very binary. It's so tight pussy this, right. big dick that. <laughs> you know? like, oh, my God. You know, wow. And, and especially when, because for me, I have to say, like, my clinical lens, I'm working with people where stuff has gone wrong, mm. right, where things are not going the way that they should. And, and that's, that's what I work with all day, every day. And I spend a lot of time re-educating people about their bodies, but then also kind of saying to them, hey, like, let's, re- let's reimagine your sex life a little bit. Right. Right? You can still have fulfilling sex. Penetration isn't always the gold standard. Right. Right? Let's, let's get you healed up, but then mm. we, you can still be incredibly sexual with your partner or partner. But... You know, we have to really reprogram how you view sex mm. in general, wow. and that's that's really tricky because you know I'm 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 not just competing with their their free will. It's more like okay, look at all these media, this messaging from social media, mm. all the messaging from how they were raised, yeah, right? Their church, if they're religious, right. you know, their work environment, you know, right. their internalized you know, racism or homophobia or gender phobia, you know what I mean? Right. So like there's a lot of layers that you have to work with work through. That's incredible. So what are what are some of the effects of having a weak pelvic floor? Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> some of the facts. Back pain. Mm. Okay. Back pain is huge. One of the major reasons why people um go for disability in this country is back pain. Really? Uh, Didn't yes. even think about that. Yes. <laughs> back pain costs this country a lot of money mm. and it caused people a lot of grief and despair. Mm. It's, it's quite problematic. Mm. Another condition that you can develop is pelvic organ prolapse, chronic pelvic pain, pain with intercourse, difficulty having a bowel movement, or the opposite, fecal urgency or incontinence, urinary incontinence. Difficulty emptying your bladder. You can have pubic symphysis pain. You could have sacroiliac joint pain. So that triangle in the back of your pelvis, it can be really painful. Oh, yeah. So how? Why does <laughs> so this? I'm like sitting here cringing. Why does that happen? Why? Like, why? Is that something uh, that just happens from just like I, being a normal human being every day and not just like paying attention to those muscles, or is it like age or what? Like, what causes all those things? So I'm going to put on my PT hat, my physical therapy hat for a second. <laughs> you know, when you're thinking about why people have some of the problems that they have, and I, again, I'm approaching this from a musculoskeletal perspective yeah. um, because that's what I do. I always think of it in terms of microaggressions to our body. Mm. 
right? And you also have to think of it as, you know, what, what role does genetics play into this, Okay. right? <laughs> what role do past injuries play into this? But mm-hmm. really, it's like how you move in space, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're a person where you're not aware of your pelvic floor, right, but then you're told to be virginal for, for your entire life, but that sex is bad and sex is only meant for God, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden when you get married, you're supposed to become sexual all of a sudden Mm -hmm. after all of those years of programming. (laughs) So then psychologically, you're completely disconnected from your pelvic floor, which means you're not engaging it in the way that helps support you when you're playing soccer, Mm -hmm. when you're walking from, you know, point A to point B. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then you don't realize that the problem, what, what problems arise until you, until something goes in. Or until you're made to be aware of that area. Mm. I'm like, wow, I have a lot of pain. Oh, you know what? I pee when I laugh, but that's normal, right? Oof. You know, like, no, that's not. Mm. You know, and sure, age can be a factor, right? But at the end of the day, you shouldn't have pain when you have sex. You shouldn't mm. be leaking urine or, or stool. You know, you should be able to control your bowels and your bladder. You should You should have a pleasurable pleasurable experience moving in your own body. There shouldn't be a problem down there. And when there is, that's when it needs to be addressed. Ooh, my head is, um, see, no. Spinning? It's, it's spinning just a little bit because, yes, I hear, it's like, you're, you know, you're moving around the world. You're not really, you're not really thinking about those parts until it's like time to do something with those parts, I feel. And, the I, I have like a little bit of trauma associated with prolapse because oh, and this is not oh no. this is not it's not a funny story. It's not a funny story at all. But I am very familiar with prolapse now because my aunt who my aunt I have two aunts who live in Haiti and they rotate and come and visit us um over here and my my oldest aunt, she's like at the time she was probably like seventy seven, seventy six and she had one child who's like 40, who was 40 years old at the time. And I don't think had sex or any type of engagement relationship like after she had her child and so had my cousin. And so um, I speak, I speak Creole, Haitian Creole to her. And she told me, she kept using this word and I didn't know the word for uterus in Creole. So she just kept being like, she just kept being like, this thing is hanging down. This thing is hanging down. And I'm like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. And the word for uterus is similar to the word used to describe a master's degree, but it's like an inflection in the, in the letters. (laughs) So she just kept saying like, in my brain, she kept being like the master's degree. And I was like, Yup. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. And so one day I called her and I was like, Hey, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going to go like exercise, like get ready. And so I probably gave her an hour. I go over there to pick her up and she's like in the bathroom still with a towel around her. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Why aren't you ready? Like, I'm just frustrated. And so she's like, come in here, come into the bathroom. So she's like naked from the waist down. (laughs) And I go in and she's like, see, this is what I've been talking about. This thing has been hanging. It was her uterus just like, just hanging, just just yeah, there. I was like, hanging out. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Out. I'm sorry. What's and see the fear and especially like knowing our background, not really like you don't have a lot of medical like, you know, unless unless you have money in Haiti, like the frequency that you're accessing medical services or the need sometimes, you know, for like we're healthy, like there's no need to get certain parts checked out. Like I was like, wait, how the hell did this? How the hell did this happen? So her uterus is probably hanging out like two inches. I'm looking at it looks exactly the way it looks in the textbook. I was like, okay, all right. So I'm like holding it while trying to instruct her to put on her underwear so I can take her to the emergency room. <laughs> and I'm like trying I to mean, it's not funny. It's, it's not, not funny. funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. No, it's but... not funny. It's, it's not just, funny at it's... all. But it was just so like, whoo. Woo! So traumatic. So yes, that is my that's my my experience with prolapse. Whenever we're talking about that, but can you imagine what that does to her body mm. image? Mm. You know? Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah. 
I was like, oh, shit. It's crazy. And she didn't know. Like, she just, I mean, I don't think, and because people don't talk about these things, she just didn't know what, she was just like, my uterus is hanging out. I don't know what's happening. And then when we, when I took her to the emergency room, they literally took some lube and just like pushed it back. <laughs> they just pushed it back in. And I was like, so yeah. is that, is that all we going to do today, y'all? Like, what are we going to, do y'all want to handle I don't know what the, what's the procedure for this. They were just like, no, just we're gonna pop it back in. Um, she needs to go see her gynecologist, and yeah. But of course, yeah. like it was going to come down again. So I didn't. I was just like, this is so weird. And then when I was like it's sharing so it with other, when I was sharing it with other friends, and like the, that week, I had an appointment to get an IUD, and I just like complete. I was like, you know what, you know what, doctor. You don't need to be looking at my uterus. I don't want nothing in my uterus today. I become face to face and one with the uterus this week. I don't. I don't want it. Just, just leave it alone. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to see it. And so, talking to no. friends, like no one even knew that was a possibility of something happening to your body, and it just, of course, just made me think like, yo, we're just not talking about shit. We're just not talking about shit, whether we're young, whether we're old. We're not talking about what could happen when you're old or anything. No, like, we don't talk about it. <laughs> we don't talk about it as as a culture, just in our the American culture, we don't talk about yeah. it. But we don't talk about it amongst people of color right. in particular. Mm. You don't talk about this mm. stuff. So you know, true. we keep it private, and then we wait till it's so bad, till it's so bad where you have to have surgery, right? Where instead of it being like, oh, you know, I've just noticed something dropped a little bit, where it's not coming out of your vagina yet, and you're like, oh, wow, like, I have this bulge inside of me that I didn't used to have. Shit. Okay, that's mm-hmm. when you tell the doctor. That's mm-hmm. when you say, hey, doc, what can I do? Can I go to physical therapy to get my muscles a little bit stronger? Can I get a pessary? put inside of me to hold everything up where it should be Mm. or you know do you recommend surgery and then you need to get a couple of you know medical opinions on it right and and that and and that's really interesting because that kind of speaks a lot to you know our audacity as individuals to kind of pursue those things Mm. but then also our avoidance right Mm -hmm. because you'll see women deal with stuff for decades Decades. It's true. And all they had to do was see someone or just see a couple of people who were going to help them find a solution to their problem. And that's why I started UC Logic because I was tired of of working with people and getting them better. And they're like, man, I wish I met you 10 years ago. Mm. I wish I met you five years ago. I I wish I met you when I got married last year. Right. You know, because gosh, like I spent a year struggling with myself and my partner. Wow. When all I needed to do was work with someone who could give me compassionate care and provided a safe space for me to help heal and get myself better. That's the thing. I I mean, I think you hit on a couple of touch points here, too, though. I think, especially when you're talking about people of color, one, the conversations, Mm. but two, even if we're going, like, we don't all have, like, the great luxury of, like, having you in our lives. I mean, now we do. But... You know, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine like we're going to the doctor and that's the thing. That's what some of my friends were saying. My, my friends were saying like, why didn't anyone tell me after childbirth, like I should go to physical therapy or why didn't anyone say, you know, that I shouldn't be experiencing painful sex. And it's like, I don't even know if our medical doctors even feel comfortable or equipped or even want to talk about some of these issues that that people feel. And then I guess that shuts us off because it's like, okay, well, if my doctor doesn't see it as a big deal, I don't need to see it as a big deal. And especially as women of color, we see the studies out there saying, like, our pain is not really validated when we go to the doctor. And no one really believes what we're talking about. And so I can't, like, all of those compounding um, things coming together, I, I can't, I just... I can see why people are navigating, like, peeing on themselves or just, like, living in pain or not wanting to say no to a partner, wanting to be sexy, but can't have, like, but just, is just going to grin it and bear it when it comes to having sex. And so I think our overall medical system, like, outside of, outside of you and other passionate caring professionals, I think, like, the, our primary care is just 
don't are just oblivious to these various issues or they don't know they don't care i don't i don't know i think that people care mm-hmm. but they just aren't given the education mm-hmm. i do think that there is such thing as implicit, implicit bias mm-hmm. in all humans mm-hmm. whether that's consumers or providers of care mm-hmm. i think there's a factor in that but it's also not standardized in any formal healthcare education platform, right? right? You're starting to see, especially medical programs are really getting ahead of this. They're noticing the problem and they're addressing that. You know, I know at my institution, they're very much addressing that head on, but not all institutions are falling in line at the same pace. They're eventually going to get there. But I think it's really up to people like you and me who are community educators and really having these candid conversations like, Hey, my auntie mm-hmm. self was hanging out of her badge. You know, and I was like, what the hell is this? You know, like, are you all right? And the thing is, like, oh, God. that's the natural reaction because it's so, you're just like, I've never seen that before. No. Before. What, is, what the hell is that? Right. And it's frightening. Yeah. But then you're like, can I trust these healthcare providers to steer me in the right direction? Right. Absolutely. And, and that's the challenge, right? So, like, I'm just going to say this for everyone listening who may have an auntie or themselves. When you have a prolapse, the person that you want to see, the specialist that you want to see is a urogynecologist. That is a gynecologist who is fellowship trained, mm-hmm. who has received additional training. And not only gynecology, obviously, they did a residency in gynecology, but then they did a three-year surgical fellowship in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. So they, that is their specialty. You know, and another great option would be to see a urologist that specializes in female pelvic medicine. Mm. So those would be the two people that you would want to talk to if you have a prolapse issue, particularly if you're a person with a vagina and uterus, mm. right? And or uterus. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for people, for dudes or for people with penises, for penis owners, I would say that you want always want to see a urologist. And if you're having pelvic issues and pain, you want to speak with a urologist that has specialty in pelvic floor disorders or chronic pain issues. Those Mm -hmm. are going to be the people that will help you. But the best of the best is working with providers who work in a multidisciplinary practice, meaning it's not just urology, but it might have, like, social work or mental health providers. They will also have in the same space. They Mm -hmm. will work with, like, colorectal specialists, GI specialists. You'll have everyone of different specialties in the same team collaborating together. And that is actually the best Mm -hmm. because – you get all of these minds with different clinical viewpoints having an opinion on your case, and that that is awesome. Wow. So. All right. I'm, I appreciate that drop of knowledge here because anytime. I mean, it's. I think it's just it's 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 um I, it's it's varied. It's it's so many layers. I it's I think it's also ageism. I think it's. Being a woman, oh, like, yeah. I have, I have some coworkers who've approached me and been like, I tried bringing up my not being able to have sex to my gynecologist. They didn't really have an answer. And it's like, damn. But now that you broke it down to think through, like, what are the specialties? I think that would be super helpful for folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. And persist, my friends. Like, <laughs> I mean, I sound like, gosh, I mean, I sound like someone who does public speaking all the time, but <laughs> persist. Person. Yeah. You know, if your gynecologist isn't giving you an answer, if they're telling you to drink wine and relax and be less uptight, thank you for your services, sir or madame. Right. But I'm going to move on to someone that will actually give me some resources. Right. Definitely. No. Right? And, and that's the number one thing I always preach in all my classes. I always say, like, if your doctor is pushing something on you that you don't feel comfortable with, if your doctor is not listening, if they're, you know, doing something that you feel is a violation or just it's they're plain not listening, it's time. It's just it's time to move on. Like, go find someone yeah. else because it's, because our health is so much more worth than someone that we know could potentially not be listening to us or not giving us good advice. Right. So we did all of it. We, we talked about all the scary stuff. We talked about yes. the things that could happen. So how mm-hmm. can we build or boost our pelvic health? Like I have, so what I only know about is I got, so <laughs> story time. So a couple, yeah, of, years, a couple <laughs> of years ago, I was like, you know, you know what? I got to focus on, I got to focus on my Kegels. 
Let me focus it on these Kegels. <laughs> Let me go buy a Kegel exerciser. So I bought the I bought the one that kind of looks like two balls connected with a string at the end. And so Oh dear. I Okay. <laughs> and they're like a little bit a <laughs> tiny bit weighted. So I'm like, yeah, oh. I know I know my floor is bomb. I know my floor is intact. <laughs> like, oh, my stuff is so tight. It's so strong. Like, it's so good. It's fine. So what I say to myself, which was a bad idea, I say, you know what? Where's the place where I'm like sitting down the most and where I'm where I'm basically majority of the whole day? Work. So let me pop it in in the morning and I'm going to just like exercise all my muscles all day long. I must have parked the car and walked two blocks. This was the day that there was no parking in the parking garage. So I had like a like a seven to eight block walk. And so it blocked with the weighted stuff in your yes. Vagina? And so uh, this is the morning uh, that uh, this uh, is the morning that every man on the street corner is like, "Good morning, baby. Hey, how you doing, gorgeous? <laughs> how you doing?" So there's just like a lot of pauses on the way, and just and of course, like I cannot maintain, I could not maintain what was happening. Like by block one and a half, block two, I just felt like a lump drop in my underwear, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it was the Kegler exerciser, and then I had to like immediately because it because I had to park so far away. I had to immediately jump into a meeting, so I was just like sitting, just like mm, ah, boop, just there, just there with it, you know. So I, you know, I think I did the wrong. I think I did the wrong exercises. You know, I never did that again after that day. Once I got to the bathroom, I just took it out, put it away, never really dealt with that again like ever and then like with for a birthday I had a couple years ago I had a friend give me like a yoni egg and so I feel like there are all these different interpretations of how we improve or build our pelvic health or build those muscles so from the expert what should we be doing? Mm. Should we be doing squats? Should we be doing like the drop it down low like little Kim? Like what what should we be doing? Okay, so <laughs> First of all, right? Just let's let's start with let's 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 liken this to a marathon. Okay. Okay. Let's say you want to run a marathon, Got right? It. And with I'm going to use you as an example, <laughs> not because I'm a being a judgy one. No, no, please, please. <laughs> it's you were us. so brave in sharing a, that story. It's a safe space. And I just want to make this relatable too. I felt so comfortable. I, I felt very comfortable. I had to tell somebody. <laughs> so I appreciate you. I appreciate you for sharing that with me. So let's think about that as a marathon, right? So if let's say I'm running the marathon, I'm not in shape. I'm not in shape yet. Mm. But it's as what you did is as if you said, I'm going to run 15 miles today. And you haven't run a mile in years. Mm. Does that make sense? Like you, you like literally put the carpet for the horse. Like you threw right. that beast like so far. You're right. You're like, wait a minute, you know? Um, and so I always tell people that you need to know where you're at. You need to know your current status. You need to know, wait, hey, what is my fitness level? Mm. Right? What what can I do now? And then based on that first assessment of what your pelvic floor can do what your body can do, that's when you design a training program around your status. Okay. And so that's where people get into trouble. That's where I see people who do the yoni egg stuff and keep it in their vagina all day, and then they start giving themselves Charlie horses in their vag Oof. or in their penis because mm. they're holding it in their anus. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like, oh, my God, no. Like, your body isn't ready for that. Right. Right. And so I always tell people that you want to start with a 10 rep max. Right. And so when you're doing a pelvic floor contraction, I disclaimer, the gold standard with assessing whether or not you do a pelvic floor contraction properly or mm -hmm. ego properly mm -hmm. is a pelvic exam. OK, oh. like a, a digital exam where someone inserts their finger into the vagina or into the rectum and they feel a contraction of the pelvic floor and a lift of the pelvic floor. Uh huh. OK. That, OK. Right, and most people don't do that. So I rarely <laughs> tell people, okay, do 10 sets of 10 and, like, hold it for 30 seconds and you're good. Like, I, I don't know what your body is capable mm. of. So I always tell people, you need to first do this test. 
where it's like, okay, you you can be sitting down. I always recommend laying down with on your back with your knees bent or straight. Okay. Most people are more comfortable with their back if their knees are bent. Because remember, your pelvic floor stabilizes your spine. So if your spine isn't stable, your pelvic floor isn't going to act right. So get in a position where your back is best supported. Then you're going to think about, okay, we'll start with people with penis owners. Imagine that you're going to be tightening your anus at the same time that you're pulling your penis in towards your body, almost like a turtle's head coming to the shell. You don't want to arch your back, shrug your shoulders, or hold your breath. You want to breathe naturally as you do this. So mm. I tell some people sometimes to imagine that they're blowing out a birthday candle at the same time as they're squeezing the anus and pulling the penis in. So you should feel a contraction, a squeeze and lift. Now for a vagina and uterus owners, you're going to think about tightening up the anus, vagina, and urethra. Same thing. Squeeze and pull everything in, almost like a turtle head coming to shell, like picking up skin. And then you're going to let go. So that's a regular contraction. Okay. So I always tell people that the contraction phase, the tightening, is just as important as the relaxation. So you have to relax completely before you do another contraction. And so you're going to do that for about... Your goal is to hit 10, to do that 10 times. Let's say you start doing that and you start to teeter out at three. So if you start to teeter out at three, then you're going to start with maybe doing three sets of two or three, three times a day for a week. Then you slowly increase it to three sets of four, three sets of five, right? Three sets of six. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, and then, and then you're like, oh, wow, I can do this. And then, then you can say, okay, this is where I'm at. Right now, another way you can test it is your endurance, right? So you're going to squeeze and hold and let's say you can hold it for the goal would be 10 seconds. But let's say you get to four, mm-hmm. right? You're like, you can hold consistently for four. Okay. So you start with, again, three sets of four second hold, right? And let's say you do the first set of four, the first set of four second hold. You do it like, you know, I'll hold it for four rest for four, hold it for four, rest for four. You do that four times. Mm-hmm. Let's say you get to the second set and you're like, man, I can't even feel what my pelvic floor is doing. You're tired. You're uh, done. Okay. Okay. So then you're going to just work with one set of four second hold, you know, until you can build up to a second set. Okay. And then maybe you may say, okay, I'm going to do two sets of four. Maybe I'm going to b- increase the second hold. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not as people think it's like quick, quick, quick. There's a quick, answer to all of this and it's really you need to treat this muscle like you would any other muscle right and i was reading that like the we can actually weaken our muscles by exercising them too much like they are muscles and so if you're like thinking about like lifting weights just like you need like the rest days in between you can't just like go all day go all night just like lifting weights your arm is going to get tired to the point where your muscles are eventually going to weaken and won't be able to lift that weight anymore Yes. And I will say, like, after a lot of people do Kegels when they really shouldn't, like people who have chronic constipation, people who have pain, right? Mm -hmm. People who have those issues, don't do this stuff. Like, Mm. go see a a healthcare professional if you have access to one. If not, go to a free clinic, Mm -hmm. and they will help you out. Mm. Right? Mm. They will help you out. And keep finding resources out there. You have so many... So many amazing resources that will help you shoot. Email me, you know, like I do free, you know, five minute video consults with people and I chat with them about their issues and help them direct their care a little bit better. You hear that, y'all? Because at the very very least, you can, you can at least find some help or at least get some direction because it's overwhelming. Right. It's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, Yeah, I think it's overwhelming. And it's also, it's overwhelming, but also like wrapped in shame, wrapped in everything that we talked about earlier, because you're like, I'm just trying to have this, I mean, I guess, internal physique of what, you know, everyone's saying that you should have. But yeah, you're right. We're not thinking about it like any, uh, working out any other part of our body. Yeah, you're right. It does seem like it's just a quick fix because every book I read, talked about every the opposite of everything you just talked about like 10 seconds all day like hold it blah 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 like oh no 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 also they say like you need to stop the flow flow of urine is that true or false so they say that to help you find the muscles i I really for my patient population i never ever advocate Mm -hmm. that my patients do this because they already have problems emptying their bladder or controlling oh, their bladder. Right. And when you start, try to stop.
stop the flow of your urine when your brain is telling your bladder to contract to right. let the urine out. It messes with that feedback loop. Ooh, I see, I see. Okay. So doing that consistently is problematic. So gotcha. I always tell people, hey, if you're trying to find the muscle, doing it once every once in a while, rarely, is fine. But doing it as a regular practice is not okay. Gotcha. And so you just kind of have to, like, dance that line a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm learning so much right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So not only am I learning, we have a few, Dr. UC, we have a few um, listener questions. Are you ready? They are talking about hovering when they're going to pee. Okay. So hovering when you go, go to pee does not mess up your pelvic floor. But think about it, y'all. Like everyone, everyone do what I'm doing right now. So everyone stand up. Okay. Everyone stand up. Are you standing up, my friend? I'm, sta- I'm standing. I'm moving. Okay. All right. And then I want you to squat and hover over your chair. All Do right. you think that your pelvic floor is relaxed? Can you can you let can you be your best bladder self when you're squatting like ah, this? Never thought about it that way. Right. You can't. <laughs> so you're not messing stuff up, but you're just making it so that you don't empty as well. So I say just sit on the toilet. Put toilet paper down if you need to. You know, like sit down. Let your pelvic floor chill. Oh, God. Right? So that you can let your bladder be in peace and empty like it's meant to empty. Oof. All the gems today. All right. Our second question comes from Yvonne. Yvonne says, so what exercises can be done, visuals and links, please, to strengthen one's pelvic floor? I'd like to know for myself and pregnant clients who inquire. Thanks. Okay, so this is a fantastic question, and I know I just went through how to do a Kegel for both uterus and vagina owners as well as penis owners. Um, but I do have a video that I did um, on my UC Logic Instagram back on January 6, 2017, where I explain how to do a Kegel using a tissue. Oh. <laughs> I hope it was helpful. Okay, now. But if you want to, yeah, if you want to go back and check that out. Also, um, on the Lifestyle Condoms uh, website, I'm one of their brand ambassadors, and I do explain in detail how to do a Kegel. So that is also another option for you guys to check out a link where you can watch someone do it. It's really hard to find websites that have specific pictures of someone doing mm. uh, pelvic floor contraction, but I will definitely investigate that and send that to you later on. Yeah, definitely. And whatever you send between your video and the lifestyle video, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Oh, show. All right. Thanks, Yvonne, for your question. All right. So this next one um, is around vaginismus. So the so it's a it's a little bit of a story. Um, hey, Vanessa, I'm excited for your pelvic health episode. Yay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, Dr. Yay! <laughs> um, okay, sorry. So I was in physical therapy for pain with penetration. I developed vaginismus after having unexplained irritation on my labia. That pain trains my vagina to start clenching during sex. And before I realized what had happened, it was just clenching most of the time making penetration painful, even when my labia was no longer irritated. Anyway, I got estrogen cream from my GYN for the thinning skin. We think the root was periodic irritation. So my labia are a lot happier. And I'm going to a great physical therapist who was helping me learn to relax these muscles. Can Dr. UC give some more information about vaginismus and how to help with that? Well, the thing about vaginismus is there are many reasons why it occurs in some people. You have someone who has primary vaginismus where that issue kind of occurred once they started puberty. Mm. Whereas some people have secondary vaginismus where it's acquired later in life, maybe after they've had a child or surgery. And typically the primary vaginismus is a more tenacious form because it's formative. It kind of went through you during your formative years, Mm. through adolescence through adulthood. And so it's really, it wants to hang on real tight. 
I will say that when you're looking at how to address issues of pelvic pain, which is what you have in sexual dysfunction, you have to look at it from a biopsychosocial perspective. Okay, right? now words. Now, okay, big words. Come on. I use a big word. I'm it's ready. Biopsychosocial <laughs> approach, right? So you do one big circle and label that biology, and then do another interlinking circle, and that's psychology or psychological makeup. Mm -hmm. Another interlinking circle, which is going to be sociocultural, and another interlinking circle is going to be, you know, interpersonal, mm -hmm. right? And so right now, when you're addressing your vaginismus, you're looking at it from a purely biological perspective. Hormones, right? You got the topical creams, estrogens, you got the PT to deal with the muscles. But then there's also a psychological piece, which you so astutely said, where you're like, my body now is trained to think penetration bad. Mm. Whether that's a cotton swab, whether that's a finger, a penis, a speculum, tampon, you name it. It's like anything coming near there, it's like mm. a Venus flytrap. Wow. No. Right? Right. And that's a definitely a learned response, a fear, fear-based response that your body, your body's sharp. It's like, no, I'm not going to put you through that. Right. And then you have that sociocultural piece where what other factors contribute to your pain, right? Cause this is a chronic issue. It's not like you sprained your ankle yesterday, right? You've been dealing with this for a long time. Mm. And so those things that can inform that can be, you know, being a woman, gender roles, gender expectations, right? That can be your race or ethnicity. It can be your sexual orientation. Those are factors that play into your condition. And then another piece can be like the, the amount of stress that you're dealing with at work, at home, are you in school, your mm. relationship with yourself, mm. your relationship with your partner, your family, how you were raised, what are the values that you were raised mm. with. And all of those play a factor. So when you're thinking about vaginismus or any type of pelvic floor disorder, we have to understand it from that lens versus just focusing on the biological approach. Because mm. if you just focus on the biological piece, it's really hard to change it, at least for long term. Wow. I realized we did we we delved so deeply into vaginismus and we didn't say what it was. What is vaginismus oh, for those <laughs> for those who, I'm who, so sorry. who don't oh, know what goodness. that is? Yeah. No, that's me. I was like, wait, I just got I just got right into the question. I didn't even bother to break it down. Yes. So <laughs> vaginismus is a condition where the muscles of the pelvic floor for people for vagina and uterus owners contract during any type of penetration. It's really painful. It feels, if, if a finger was trying to go in, it feels like they're being ripped open. Oh, gosh. You know, it can be sharp pain. It can be burning pain. It can be due to trauma, but it can also be due to, you know, chronic back pain, chronic hip issues. You know, a lot of times we don't really know why this occurs. What is the true cause of vaginismus? Mm. Just like we don't know what the true cause is of a lot of these pelvic floor issues that are quite painful. There are multiple factors that go into it. Genetics, hormones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, um, she also asked, is, do you have anything specific that you recommend for vaginismus besides what she is doing? Well, I have no idea what she's doing because, believe it or not, all PTs do not practice the same way. Ah. So I have no idea okay. what instructions she's been given. I always tell women, though, with vaginismus, that the best approach is a multidisciplinary approach, right? So I can address the physical stuff and help them with sexuality counseling. So basically just kind of giving them specific suggestions, you know, and, you know, information, things like that about their bodies and sexuality, mm -hmm. but also working with the therapist to kind of help you deal with the emotional struggle of having a condition like this. Mm -hmm. That is super important. And some people are like, why don't you see a therapist? It's like, no, I don't think you're crazy. But gosh, having that person help you address some of the factors, the psychological factors that can make some of this, these conditions worse is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And they can also help you address and acknowledge the other interpersonal issues as well as the sociocultural pieces that inform your, that inform your pain. Yeah. And that's super, super valuable. And then another thing, too, is really under, taking a different look at sex. Looking at sex as penetration not being the gold standard and letting pleasure be the goal of sex. Not an orgasm, not finger and vagina, not penis and vagina, not toy and vagina, but just pleasure. And really exploring your body in that way and developing your erotic mind in the context of you addressing the vaginismus mm -hmm. can be so rewarding and fulfilling. 
I, you know, it's interesting that this question about vaginismus came up because a few weeks ago when I was doing an event at a college, someone had asked what had, like, I can't put anything into my vagina. It's really painful. And my mother had, that's why I think it's interesting. You're saying the genetic piece too. Um, this person said my mother had the same issue, but my mother kind of like suffered through it, but now she's, she's better I don't want to, I don't want to suffer through it. What should I do? And I feel like, you know, I gave her like these different suggestions and, um, the, and the co-facilitator that was there with me had recommended, um, the estrogen, you know, go into the doctor and potentially talking about an estrogen cream. Um, and I just, it, I think the number one answer, I feel like whenever I read about these issues is go to the doctor. They're going to give you a dilator. They're going to give you lube. You just need to like stretch yourself on out gradually. And it just feels like what we get when we do the Google, the Google searches is just that one size fits all um, kind of answer. And so I think even just incorporating and thinking through all the different layers that you just talked about, is super important because I mean, this person could just go to the doctor and the doctor's like, here, here's a whole set of dildos, work it out. Like that doesn't really address, like, I don't even, and it didn't even occur to me at the moment, like to talk about like low estrogen and how, you know, even if you're young, that might affect you and how that occurs and why that, why does low estrogen, you know, happen to people. And so I, yeah, just, just thinking out loud. I just think it's interesting. No, it's it's fascinating because it's it's I, like I said this before. It's, there's so many layers to addressing these issues that we're talking about. Like you can talk about vaginismus from a completely wider perspective. You can talk about purely about like how do you have orgasms with vaginismus? You know, mm. and like something like that. But then it's like you know, I always I and I always tell my patients to kind of come away with understanding like what's the root cause. It's like okay, like what can I do to address what's happening now in my body. Mm. Right? I understand now that I have this pain condition. Okay? So what is gonna what's gonna do for me to have some understanding and a little bit of compassion for myself so I can move forward today? Because it's chronic now. Whatever caused it has either gone away, right? right? And so now it's just kind of maintaining this pain pathway. It's paved this whole new highway for pain that your body is now taking instead of the non pain highway. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You just, you see, you just opened up a whole can of worms, but we don't have time for all that tonight. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I'm so wait, sorry. Do you I, t- I went in deep. I, I took my belly. No, because when you, answer. when I, when I think about the pain, when I think about pain, and I think when anyone thinks about pain, the number one thing that pops up for us is like relieving the pain, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know people who do this, but I can imagine there are folks out there who are like, all right, let me pop this a leave. Not knowing that there are deeper or there could be deeper issues that are occurring, just trying to relieve the pain because I've had friends tell me like, I want to be like, I want to have sex. I want to be sexual. I feel those feelings, but it is just my body's in too much pain. Like, what do I do? And I think that's so real. I, I think it's so real for a lot of people and not knowing like how to navigate those things without it. And, and we do have in our culture, in our society, like, all right, how do I just handle this quick fix kind of thing? Let me just pop. Let me just pop. Let me just, you know, do something quickly or let me just rough it um, to right. get through to get through, you know, the pain or the, the hump of this. Right. Right. Period. Yeah. You got it. Woo. All right. I have one last question from another listener so far. That's if they're not coming in while I'm on this page. Um, so this, so, um, this person wants to know, I'd like to know what causes weakened or tightened pelvic floor. Wait, I'd like to know what causes weakened or tightened pelvic floors. Um, and how this can impact other bodily functions, like sitting, standing, exercising, and digestion, etc. And how can folks prevent these types of injuries? Can you repeat the question? Yeah, no, I got you. It was a, it was a lot. Okay, so 
I'm trying, like I'm reading it as is. I might have to just summarize it. I think this yeah. person is asking, how can a how can a weakened or really tight pelvic floor impact things like sitting, standing, exercising, and digestion? And how can someone work through that? Well, so when it, you have a pelvic floor that's chronically tight, this is, first of all, great question. Great, great question. I yeah. love it. Um, I'm just, my brain is crunching because I want to give you a really <laughs> robust, I want to give you a robust answer yes. here. Yes. Um, so when a pelvic floor is tight, people assume that it's strong, and that's just not true. Mm. Uh, when you have hypertonicity, so it's almost like if your fist is clenched all day, right, and you're walking around with a clenched fist, right? do you think by the end of the day it's going to be real strong? Do you think it's going to be really good at gripping things? No. Do you think that it's going to be hard for you to straighten out your fingers? Do you think it's going to hurt when you try and straighten out right. your fingers? Right. It will, right? And that actually, if you have a gripped fist all the time, it's going to impact what your elbow does, and it's going to impact what your shoulders do eventually. And that's, and that's essentially what your pelvic floor does. If, if it's too tight, it's going to impact how your pelvis is aligned. Mm. It's going to cause potentially more compression at your spine or more hypermobility in a place that needs more stability or more hypomobility in a place that needs to move a little bit better, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's all about balance. Right? Your pelvic floor works as part of a team with your abs, with your inner thighs, with your butt, right? And mm -hmm. if your pelvic floor isn't pulling your weight or pulling all of the weight, right, it it's, can get easily strained and injured, which means that the other muscles have to t take on double duty to compensate for that. Okay. And so the best way to understand how to fix it is actually to get assessed by a skilled pelvic health physical therapist, to be frank, because sometimes it's you're, you're not always sure how to train it, right? I always tell people, you know, if you don't have access to a healthcare provider, I would start with yoga, like a nice vinyasa or hatha yoga that's focused on opening the pelvic floor and stretching the pelvic floor and releasing the pelvic floor during different poses. You can try acupuncture, but at the end of the day, you want to get a full movement, body assessment, pelvic assessment by a pelvic health CT. That would be my strongest recommendation. Mm. Mm. I didn't think about mm. the yoga. I didn't think about the yoga and the acu. I mean, I'm a fan. I am a fan of acupuncture. I swear oh, yeah. by it. I stand oh, yeah. by it. Um, acupuncture has helped me with like chronic back pain, which I'm very grateful for. But until I just said it, until you just said that, I didn't think about how like my back pain, where that came from, or how that affected other things. So I need I need to do some thinking. Yes, yes. I mean, and yoga is. Fabulous acupuncture is fabulous for addressing some of those issues, but when it comes to how do I release a tight muscle, mm -hmm. well, it depends on what's driving that muscle mm -hmm. right now, and I'm not 100% sure. So what I recommend for one person who has the same complaint is going to be different because the cause of that tightness is completely gotcha. It's completely different. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I learned so much. Yeah. I just learned a I just learned a lot during this episode because I just I think we have all of these different <laughs> I mean you you have like you have people who exercise, right? And then you have like you know, you're just you're just exercising. We're not thinking. I feel like when we're exercising, we're not necessarily thinking about like all the in-between muscles. We're not thinking about pelvic floor muscles at yeah. all we're just thinking about everything yeah. else we're thinking about stretching we're thinking about our back we're thinking about our arms our legs but not really thinking through this do you think that squats for some reason squats is coming to me because it's it feels like very direct to like very like central to like your pelvic floor would be a good, like, another exercise that people can incorporate into, like, their routines if they do exercise? There's literally any exercise you pick, you can engage your pelvic floor. I mean, if you're doing bicep curls, you can engage your pelvic Ooh, floor. Okay. I think people do squats because they think that, like, oh, like, you're just doing a squat. And it depends on when you're engaging your pelvic floor. You can engage your pelvic floor going down into a squat. You can engage your pelvic floor going up into a squat. But I always tell people that that's advanced. 
right? That's like running a marathon when you've only <laughs> run a mile in your life, right? You need to train your pelvic floor up to do that dynamic movement with the squat with 50 pounds on your shoulders, you know, yeah. or 10 pounds in each hand. And so that's, again, not something that you're going to just immediately jump into. You first need to understand what your body can do, how much it can do, and then train it up. Whew. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I got it. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what, y'all don't be like me. Don't sit there with the Kegel exercise in your underwear for the first I half mean, of the day. <laughs> you can. Like, like, and some people know what their body is doing. Like some people know, like, and, and I, I don't want to like miss, I don't want people to think like, oh, she's, so he's telling me I don't know my body. Like, no, not at all. <laughs> like some people, if you don't have bowel issues, if you don't have bladder, bladder issues, things are working right. Like, yeah, it's totally fine to try some aids to use vaginal weight, but you have to you have to first make sure that you, you're engaging your pelvic floor correctly, that you can contract, but that you can also relax, and that yes. way you don't want to hurt yourself. Because you yes. don't want to see me unless you really, really have to. <laughs> I just think about that because I'm just like, when it just dropped, I like in the like at the time, this was a few years ago, at the time, like, I just was like, oh my God, does that mean like, my muscles aren't, aren't like tight down there. Does that mean like, I don't know how to flex those muscles. Like that thing dropped. Like I, my muscles couldn't catch that thing for nothing. It was just like, boom, here it is. In your underwear. Like, <laughs> I think it's just your muscles just more used to it. You know, my muscles are just like, like, girl. like let, me, let me, you know, get stronger for this, you know, <laughs> before you put me to the test. Oh my God. My muscles were like, don't buy shit at the sex toy store and expect it to work. Get that shit out of here. Like it just, it right? just literally within minutes, just boom, just dropped. Boom. Into so, the undies. Don't, oh, Into the undies. Just right there. Oh. It was the most uncomfortable walk. Most uncomfortable walk to work ever. So, y'all, don't be I like I can't me. imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. Oh, Lord. Dr. see, I had such a good time chatting with you. I learned so much. I feel like people are going to ask more and more questions. So, I think I need to have you back on because... I know after this conversation, I'm going to have more questions brewing in my mind as well. So thank you so much for making the time to chat and share all your wonderful knowledge. Anytime, anytime. And don't, don't forget to follow me y'all. Like follow me on bourbon tales. Yes. You know, submit questions for me. I'll drink bourbon and answer questions for you guys. Exactly what I was going to ask you next. Where can we find you? Do you have any upcoming events or how can we support your work? Absolutely. I am going to be, or uh, sorry, I will. My first big <laughs> upcoming event is in New York City. I will be speaking at the Women in PT Summit at John Jay College, but I will be hosting a happy hour hey. in New York. Um, yes, on September 20th. And details to be coming soon. I'm still finalizing that. Um, and it'll be a great happy hour. We'll have our friends from um, Icon Undies will be there to kind of help provide us with like party games and things like that. It'll be great. We can just chat, talk, really cas, because you know me, I'm pretty casual. <laughs> and so I would love for you, if you're in New York, please stop by. Yes. But you know, you can follow me on Instagram at UC Logic, Y O U S E E Logic, and Facebook and Twitter. And sign up for my newsletter because that's where I'm going to do most of my you know, monthly updates and I have like my own private bourbon tales for my newsletter followers. It's, it's fabulous. And Yay. I'd love for you guys to join in on the fun. I love it. And I will put all of that information in the show notes and yes, I will put, I will put the happy hour as well. So if you're in New York, please, please, please go out. Yes. Yay. Please do. All right. I have one last question and then I'm going to let you enjoy being in your moo moo and drinking your bourbon. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, Dr. UC, how do you build your vagisteme? So, I basically coined the term vagisteme as a way um, for us to think through, and I believe that if folks build the esteem of their vagina and vulva, that they're more likely to have satisfying and a healthier sex life. So, how do you build your vagisteme? That is a fantabulous question. <laughs> I think, you know, I build my vagisteam by surrounding myself with varying images of what I find to be beautiful. Mm, and come on. I, I, I do that because, you know, if I always had myself 
looking at what society deems as beautiful from a certain lens, God, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't have any bad feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think when you think about like, I, cause I have this thing called swagger tips, you know, like on my Instagram mm-hmm. where I give people tips on like developing their swagger. Mm-hmm. And for me, I developed my swagger by first recognizing that, you know, the concept of beauty and what is beautiful isn't always consistent. Like I don't walk up, wake up every morning and think I am the bomb. I don't, I don't, but I love myself fundamentally. Yeah. And I, I can like weather the storm. So there are days where I'm not feeling myself too much, but most of the time I, <laughs> right. and I just, I have to recognize that and I give myself space to be human. And that's how I build my badge. Yes. I love, oh. I love that answer. I love that answer. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just keep it real, boo. Yes. I keep it real. I Rooted love in self-love. It. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it's all about. You got the spirit. And I so appreciate you taking the time, teaching us, dropping these bombshells on us, letting oh us know goodness. that we my need to pleasure. get our whole pelvic floor life in order. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being on. It was so fun. I hope this is just fabulous. And please have me on again. We can talk about so many more sexy things. Yay! (laughs) Oh, my gosh.